0: For 2022, we had uh, started with this theme and with this word of reignite. It means to set on fire again, to renew, to restore, to stir up that fresh fire that, for many of us, may have been died out or maybe living out on cold, lukewarm fire, and for God to reignite that within us and for. This last number of months, we've been looking at that and looking at particular really topics and themes. We we look to reignite your passion that it's time to burn again, reignite your purpose, it's time to run again, reignite your passion, it's time to love again, reignite your generosity, it's time to give again. Just a week before last, I preached on the topic of marriage. Reignite your marriage, it's time to center Jesus again. We've got our online community, our online location, and that was uh, that sermon was, was live last week online, and I was just astonished at the amount of texts, comments, uh, men in particular coming to me and saying, thank you for that word that really just inspired me and spoke to me and helped just give me a bit of direction, uh, and really the sense that I, I believe that God is, is yearning for our marriages, that our marriages will be strong and centered on Jesus, and and so, in preparing for this week and just asking the Lord what, what he is on his heart to speak to us and for open arms, I want to build on this theme and look at the topic today, reignite your family. Reignite your family that it's time to draw close again. It's time to draw close again. Speaking to many people over these last few months and hearing about so much conflict that's happening within families. There has been division, there has been tension, stress, there there has been so many different uh, topics and themes that has been on the outside that gets in the inside and really in so many families just experiencing the toil, the turmoil of, of this last two years and many people asking the question, how do I lead my family according to the word of God? How do I respond in difficulty? How how do I read from God's word and learn about the biblical principles and how to have a healthy family? Like We all have read the scriptures and at times looked at it and, and looked at it as if it was, it was completely foreign to us because we're not making sense of what the word says, and we've got a hunger and a desire. God, I need you, not just in my life, not just forgiveness for my past, but I need you to help me today. I need you not just to help me in my marriage. I need you to help, you help me in my career. Help me with my family. Hey, every parent, help me with this child that I want to throw out of the house. <laughs> I want to get rid of, and I'm like... I'm at the end of my tether and I need help. How do we lead within our families and how do we lead our families as, as mothers and fathers, as husbands and wives, as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters, as uncles and aunties, as cousins? How do we lead within the extension of our family? Really, I hope today that this encourages you and equips you that you would allow Jesus to reignite your family, that it's time to draw close again. It's time to experience that unity. It's time to experience that love, that authentic love that you have for one another. You know the famous quote that says you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. (laughs) It's so true. You can't choose your family. Every one of us are a part of or have grown up in a very unique family. There is not any normal family. You know, there's not any cookie cutter family and we all get these instructions and this is how you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to act. Every family has different personalities, different culture, different routines and traditions and different ways of doing things. And it's, it's true. You can't choose your family, but you can choose the role that you'll play within your family. You can choose your attitude within your family. You can choose the heart that you're going to have, a heart of forgiveness and repentance or a heart of bitterness and anger. We can choose how we lead our families and how we lead within our families. For those of us, especially as as parents or as future parents and preparing in the future, especially those who may be spiritual fathers and mothers and mentors to other people, you know It is so important as we lead our family that we lead them, firstly, in a healthy way, but in a way that produces health within our family, that we will grow closer together and draw closer together. In order to do this, we need to be intentional about establishing a healthy and strong family. You know, I met my wife, Jillian. I was only 17 years old, only a baby myself, and we were together for two and a half years before we got married, and we got married very young and just as kids, but after six years, we decided we wanted to already start a family, and so I had my, uh, we had our, our first son, Levi Joseph, and um, just after six years of being married, two years later, we had William James Booth. Two years after that, we had a great surprise. (laughs) Isaac Anthony Booth, and I introduced him as my third and final, right? This is him. This is it. This is, it's over after this. And to our surprise, three years later, we have now had our fourth and final, (laughs) And uh, his name is Brandon Sean. You may have seen him up at the front. And I, if you had asked me, I would never have thought I'd have four kids. I'm still getting used to it. And we, I've, I've put a snip to that. Sorry, a stop to that. And uh, if, if, if there would be, it would be a miracle if uh, we were to have another baby. Um, so we, we're, we're finally finished with our family. But uh, we've, we, me, myself and Jill, we've got both very, very different families. We came from two completely different worlds within Ireland. If you, you're you born here or drawn here, you know that that when you're here in this community and up the road, they have a different culture, they have a different language and a different way of talking. But I am from Newbridge, that is Kulchiland, the commuter town outside of Dublin. Gillian, she's from inner city, Ballyfermot. So we've completely, we got a city girl and a lad, two completely different different environments when we came together. We had two different value systems. We had two very different languages. I had to learn a whole new dialect when I, when, I, when I entered into the Shanahan family. I was like, I don't even know what words you're speaking, what you're doing. And I had to learn a whole new way of traditions like that you get a, a new, completely new dress and fashion, not just for every like, Easter and Christmas but if you're ever leaving and you're going on an airplane, you've got to get your plane clothes. <laughs> like you've got to get brand new airplane clothes. And I'd never learned this tradition. I'd never learned this way. And you know, um, both of us actually come from very large families. Both of us have a, a, over a hundred in each family that we have and uh, lots of uncles and aunties. But but the difference is that my parents left their family, right? Went and moved further than her family. Her family, they all moved in together, right? So they all live in the same area. And so when I started going out with Jillian, I, I realized that we were going to a different family event every single week. And I'm like, I get to see my family like once a year, <laughs> if they're lucky, right? So I, a family event all the time. So we've completely different views of what a family means, what a family looks like, different value system, priorities, environments, experiences. But when we were coming together, when we see individuals, two becoming one, we had to ask the question, how are we going to form our family? We had to ask the question, what way are we going to lead our family? You know, for instance, a question may be like, what kind of family do we want to have? You know, how important will church be in our family? How important will education be? Or sports be? Or, or extracurriculars? Or how, how important will be our, our extended family? You know, what influences do we want our children to experience? What, what are we going to invest into our children? And being intentional about the family that we create and, and also about the expanded family. And what we learned, and again, like I look out up among my, myself and I see so many mature families. You guys are far more ahead than I am or we are. We will one day get there. And as we were starting our family, as now we even have a young family, we started reading God's word with that question, what kind of family does God want us to form? but also talking to wiser and more mature adults who have, you know, have tried and tested, we, we learned that there are some very essential principles that God has given us in order to have a biblical family. That God has not only sent us Jesus Christ and the gospel, that he has sent us a way of living as men and women in our marriages and in our families. And so as we look at this topic, Reignite Your Family, I want to share with you five biblical principles to having a healthy family. Five biblical principles that we can adapt and apply to our life. And this is for everyone who has a family, everyone who is in a family, or everyone that one day will have a family. You hear what I'm saying? So I think I covered everyone. And each of these principles, I, I'm not just talking today to parents with children. I'm talking to you with as a son or a daughter who can lead up in their parents and can lead around in your siblings. I'm talking to individuals within your families because I know from speaking to you and also speaking to so many, the conflict, the tension, what goes on in your family, sometimes feeling helpless, sometimes feeling like, What can I do and how can I help? These biblical principles would be ones to just to refocus you, to get you back into God's word first and foremost, but also to give you hope that it's not all about you and it's not all up to you. You serve a God that we sang earlier on is a great God, a great God who can lead us as we lead our families. That as we follow God, that we can actually follow him and actually lead those around us. So as we look at this, I really want to encourage you to to take notes, to write these down, to apply these to your life. If you are, again, going to begin a family in a far time from now, that, that you would really instill these within your heart. That you may have not even met your partner, but that when you do, you know the family that I want to have. You know the family that I want to lead. And these are biblical principles built on biblical wisdom. And this is important for Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. It says this it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. What is wisdom? Wisdom goes beyond training and material. The scripture says that the wisdom is the be- the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is divine wisdom, godly wisdom, biblical wisdom received from God, given to us. And it says that it takes understanding. That means it takes focus. It takes actually that you can't just receive it, you've got to apply it. You've got to understand the biblical principles and you've got to walk them out. You've got to live them out. That it takes wisdom to have a good family and understanding to make it strong. So here's the very first biblical principle in having a healthy family. And I believe it's the most important principle. And it's this. Authentic faith. Authentic faith. What's the difference of authentic faith? Well, inauthentic faith or fake faith. Not real. There's a great difference between calling yourself a Christian family and actually living out and being a Jesus-centered family. There's a great difference between hearing the wisdom of God and actually having understanding and applying it. There's a great difference from where Jesus is not just part of your family, but that he's at the center of your family you have an authentic faith, that you have a real faith. And what we see today, and I've experienced this, especially during these last two years, is that we've seen that we've got many people who may be Sunday Christians. Not, not you, not any of you here, you know, so, so it's okay. But, but our, our, the pandemic has revealed this, that it has become convenient to follow Jesus. And what I mean by that is that we can now follow Jesus with just this. We have everything that we need on this, our phones. Uh, we've got uh, our Bibles. We can pray to God. We can watch church. We can um, be able to communicate with other people without ever seeing them or ever being in, uh, around them. Uh, and we can actually live out a faith that we think may even be, you know what, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church, I'm following Jesus, but actually when we question and look at at the center of it, is it an authentic faith? Is it an authentic faith? And as you look at your own life right now, and as you ask that question, am I living out an authentic faith within my family? Because here's the good news. That God has got the grace and the strength for you to lead your family in every situation. And and, and if you're at the place and you're like, Sean, that's me. You know what? I'm not actually living out an authentic faith within my family. You know what? We've got the grace of God to be able to go to God and say, God, I asked for your forgiveness. And now I'm going to lead with an authentic faith. So I want you to hear me that today. There's not condemnation. There's not in any way you're feeling bad. But it's actually to come to the realization, hey i got to get serious in this. Because I may be experiencing religion, which is the things of God, and it it can be going to church, it can be reading my Bible and praying, but am I living out and experiencing the power of God? Am I receiving the anointing of God to lead my family, to be the parent that he's called me to be, to be the child that he's called me to be, to be the spouse that he's called me to be? As you look, and you look inwardly, and you ask yourself that question, am I living out an authentic faith? And the question is, how can we do this? The answer is by drawing close to Jesus. The best marriage, parenting, or family advice that you will ever hear is this, draw close to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. As you draw close to Jesus and you allow him in your life and in your family, you will see that faith rise within you. Where you, Jesus is at the center of your family and you're truly drawing closer again. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26. It says, reverence Lord for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. Look who benefits from having... A relationship with Jesus that it's authentic, that's real, that's dynamic, that's vibrant is our children, is our spouse, is our siblings, is, is those who look to us that as we draw close to Jesus, as we have a, a reverence for the Lord, it brings a deep strength. Joshua 24, verse 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The first and foremost and the most important principle to apply to your family is to have an authentic faith. Here's the second principle. Intentional time. Intentional time. Time is the only resource that we cannot purchase, we cannot reuse, or we cannot make more of. So we need to be intentional with our time. You know, one of the things that I I love to do is I love to learn from other wiser, mature people, those who are further ahead in the journey, and I love to ask questions and listen. And one of the questions I ask is, tell me the secret of, of being a father. Tell me the secret of leading a godly family. Give me give me some wisdom. And just this last week I got to spend a a couple of days with a a man who is much wiser than I am. And he's my mentor, my coach, his name is Brian Buffini, and he's got six children. And uh, they're all grown up now. And you know, I'm like, I got four and I'm struggling. And I ask him, you know, what's the key? What what what's what's the wisdom that you can give me? And he said, It's this time. Intentional time. Time spent with each one, time spent with each child, investing in them, being intentional by actually, you know, investing and sharing with them and shaping them in the ways of God, it takes time. Recent research in Cornell University discovered that the average parent, in particular, the average father spends seven minutes a day with their child. That's just less than an hour a week. Because why? Because we're so busy. We're so distracted. To be a great father, to be a great mother, takes spending intentional, valuable time with your children. And the great thing about this principle, intentional time, is that the same applies for each relationship within your family. The same applies for your parents who may be growing older. We know that one day soon they're going to pass. And maybe with your siblings who are moving out, Or moving away and you know that we'll not have this time together. And maybe with your extended family that you know that we don't have the time to see each other. So the time that we have, it's going to be intentional. It's about investing intentional, valuable time with your family. The wisest parents and the wisest people within families that I've met, they're very intentional about what they do and what they don't do. You see, many of us, unfortunately... We live our lives with the epitaph, I'm busy. How many of us have said that recently in this last week? Hey, I'm just busy. I'm full up. I'm overwhelmed. The Bible says in Psalm 39, 6, we are merely moving shadows, ships passing in the night, and all our busy rushing ends and nothing. Seven minutes a day the average dad spends with their child. I wouldn't be too surprised if to discover that if it wasn't much more than that for each relationship within the family actually spends intentionally together each day and each week. And I say this today to challenge you. Maybe there's some commitments that you need to back out of. Maybe there's some opportunities that you actually need to say no to. Maybe as you look and you say, Sean, I am busy. I'm so busy. I'm overwhelmed. Well, maybe you actually need to come back to God and say, God, I'm Will you help me not to be busy? Maybe you need to read certain books uh, and spend time with certain people who who are further ahead and actually say, you know what, all this busy and all this rushing around ends in nothing. But Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, it is better to have only a little or to do a few things with peace of mind than to be busy all of the time. It's about intentional time. Investing intentional time with each person within our family. Here's a third principle, discovering purpose. Discovering purpose. This impacts both principles. You need to have genuine, genuine and authentic faith in order to have a genuine purpose. And you need to have purpose in order to know what you need to be intentional with your time. Maybe you're at a season of life where your purpose is right now is to have a family. Therefore, you need to be intentional with your time with your children. Maybe your purpose right now is to be single. And it's actually your purpose is to build up in your career. Well, that is your purpose. That's where you need to spend your intentional time. Maybe you're an empty nester and and you're at a different season. And your purpose right now is to travel or to sell the home and move to a different place and to actually spend time with one another. You need to ask the question with your, firstly, authentic faith, intentional time, but to have and discover your purposes. Acts 20, verse 24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. My only aim, my focus, is the purpose that God has given me. You know, many children today are struggling within our homes, our schools, and our universities. And one of the reasons for this is because they've not been taught to discover their purpose. They're trying to be good at everything. They're trying to be good at everything that comes their way and everything that they have to follow and do, whether it's in sports or education. And they go on social media and they see the lives that they're aspiring to be. It's like, I've got to be good at anything. But in the midst of it, they're not learning their purpose, discovering their purpose. For me personally, I, I know I'm not good at everything. There's some things that I am awful at. In, in school, I was a C plus student or actually c C-minus student, if I'm to be honest, right? I, I was an average person, average student, you know, not many great qualities. I wasn't the leader of the class, the leader of the sports team, nothing like that. But by God's grace, he, he encountered my parents. We, we, I grew up until five years old. They did not know Jesus. They met Jesus, and through the relationship with Jesus and the wisdom they received, They never put the pressure on me to be someone that I'm not, but instead actually helped shape and equip the qualities that God had given me. I believe that this is crucially important for our lives, each of us personally, for our children, and for our spouses, and for our families. Because it's coming to a place and actually helping you discover your purpose, discover your focus, discover your aim. And in that, helping with the disappointments of the things that you're not good at and you fail in, but strengthening the things and the good gifts that God has given you. And this is so true, and this can be applied to each area within our family, is to equip ourselves and to equip others and resource them and develop them, and to speak into that, to encourage our family members. To encourage our children, to encourage our brothers and sisters, to encourage our parents and say, hey, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Yes, you may have failed, you may have fallen, but God can forgive you, He can redeem you. Once you come to Him, you can experience a newness. Hey, you are not... Below, but you are above in Jesus. You are not the tail, you are the head. You have, he has given you a fresh way, a new way to follow him. And you speak into their lives and you speak out what God has put in them. In particular, men, husbands, dads, we, we need to learn this because Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others. According to their needs. Now, know, we, we have a particular responsibility because I know most men struggles to vocalize and verbalize the good things. We at times can be the ones to to break down, not to build up. But it says according to their needs or according to their purpose, their calling, their gifting. The regrets I have in life aren't the things that I've missed out on. It's oftentimes it's been the words that I've spoken. The words that I've spoken to break people down and at times even my children and it's been out of the overflow of the heart at times and I've had to deal with that. But the words that were, able, that were spoken to break people down rather than to build them up. And I want to live intentionally, not just discovering my purpose but helping others to discover their purpose and to speak into that, to encourage them, to encourage your family. To be the one, as the Christian in the family, maybe you're in a non-Christian family, not the one who's knowing that, oh, they're the one who looks down upon us. They're the one who builds us up. They're the one who speaks into us, who has the hope, who I want to come to with my problems because I know that they've got the solution. I know that when I come to them, I don't experience shame and condemnation. I experience grace and forgiveness that we shape and lead our families with the purpose that God has given us. Here's the fourth principle, is right relationships. Every one of us is the sum total of the relationships that we have. We are who we are because of the people in our lives. There's a famous quote, is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's about, not about just where we're running to, It's about who we're running with. This is so important. It's it's important as parents for the relationships that our children are surrounded with. It's important to the relationship that our spouse has, the friendships. And it's important for the relationships that we have. Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. The best decision you will ever make is the relationships that you will make. The friendships you will have. What I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to go is not as important as who I'm supposed to be with. The people who I've surrounded myself, the relationships, the friendships, Proverbs 13:20 says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fool suffers harm. We need to get our children among good relationships and good people and keep them away from bad relationships. We need to get ourselves around good relationships. And there's some friends who we may not want to let down, but there may be some friends that we need to keep a distance from because the wise grows mature and wiser with the wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And this is crucial in that the context of that scripture is husbands and wives, when you're finding a spouse, when you're falling in love with someone, that you will be crucial not to be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? They can't. We must be focused on making the right relationships and leading our spouse and our children in doing the same. Who's in your life that you need to let go of? And when I say that, I, I don't mean like I was at church today and the pastor told me I can't be friends with you anymore. <laughs> right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> and maybe you just need it, just distance. Rather than spending every week, maybe we just spend it once a month, a couple of times a month may mean you actually reaching out. You, you may have heard me over the, especially the last few weeks, I talk about mentors, coaches, people. I got to get in an airplane to fly over to just to be in the time with them. By God's grace, through this pandemic, we've had the innovation of Zoom that we can meet. We don't even have to be in the same room and we can spend time. Say, hey, can I meet you for coffee? Can I meet you for lunch? I want to learn from you. I want to I grow. I want to learn how to be a better father, mother, husband, wife. I want to learn to be a better son and daughter. I want to learn how to be one who shapes my family. You know, recently I've just been with a friend of mine. He's been in a journey with Jesus and he's been growing and walking with the Lord. And within his family, of course, he's within his family, like most families, um, not many Christians within the family. And he said to me, Sean, I've been spending every day in God's word, learning and growing, I tell you, it has helped me so much with my family. It's helped me just to shut my mouth at times. It's helped me to choose right relationships. It's helped me to choose who I'm intentional with my time with. It's helped me to speak into other people's lives to discover their purpose. And it has helped me in every area. And here's, here's the fifth and last principle that it will help you in, is to have amazing grace. To have that amazing grace. You cannot have great relationships without amazing grace. Jesus Christ, he poured out his amazing grace to us when we come in, out of a repentant heart, realizing that we are sinners, coming asking for his forgiveness. What does he do? He pours out his amazing grace. In order to lead a biblical healthy family, we need to pour out amazing grace. It doesn't make sense to us why and how Jesus can forgive us. Sometimes it doesn't make sense that we would forgive those who wronged us. That we would show grace or otherwise that we could harbor bitterness, hold on to unforgiveness and we'll show them. And there's a lot of that going on in families today. There's a lot of that happening in our world today. What if we were going to choose to pour out the same amazing grace that Jesus has poured out on us and poured out in our relationships. But rather than living with that frustration of why don't they just get it? Why can't they just be like? I've experienced this and Jillian has experienced this a lot with our, our parents. There can be frustration as a son or daughter because you want to your parent to lead you in such a way or to be a certain person. But when you realize that, when you become a parent, you go, ah, there's grace there because there's a wisdom from Jesus. And there's an understanding. We're all just human. We're all just figuring this out. They may have wronged me, but you know what? Rather than actually filling that space with tension tension, with anger, with frustration. I'm going to fill that space with God's amazing grace. The grace of God. Here's just very practically. There's Ephesians 4, 32. Just be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You'll never have to forgive someone else more than Jesus has forgiven you. Think about that for a moment. You'll never have to forgive someone else more than Jesus has forgiven you. How do we live this out? Firstly, is acknowledging our own mistakes. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners under God's grace. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye acknowledging my own mistakes here's the second is abandoning my right to get even Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the third and final. Apply God's grace to every relationship. 1 John 4, or sorry, 1 John three sixteen says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Why, why would he do this? Why does he choose to forgive us when we deserve to be punished? 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God. Not because of what we've done. Not that we are a good person, but that he loved us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another, that we might apply the same amazing grace to each relationship in our family. So we're gonna get ready to take communion together. Communion is is remembering and responding to the grace of Jesus Christ. So why don't we just close our eyes for a moment I want to lead you into a prayer maybe maybe this is a prayer you've said countless times but just to take an opportunity before we take communion together to say these words